to the Zero Brain Podcast, where uh, the host literally has zero fucking brain. That's me, Dave Grave, the dumbest motherfucker on the planet. (laughs) A guy so stupid, he can't even keep a schedule he sets himself. For all you new listeners out there, you're probably wondering what the fuck is this jerk-off talking about. Or maybe you're not. Maybe you're not. Maybe you don't give a fuck. But just in case you are. I'm trying to catch up on my episodes because I was late by a week. I mean, there's a fucking pandemic coming on. Anyway, look, when I was talking about the Trilateral Commission on that episode, I mentioned I was going to cover the CFR and uh, the Bilderbergers and the rest of those modern secret society (laughs) jerk-offs. But I don't want to. I mean, I will if you guys want. I mean, I'm on Instagram, so... Hit the show up on Instagram if you want to hear about those fucks. But if you haven't already guessed, uh, I've skated past those CFR cunts, and I moved right into the Elder Secret Societies. We were talking about Knights Templar the last episode, where they come from, and we alliterated, well, I intimated that the next episode is going to be about the the infamous Islamic secret society known as the Assassins, which is what the fuck we're going to talk about today, Chief. There's one catch when you're talking about assassins. There's not much to talk about. And honestly, I mean, if there were, they wouldn't be that good of a fucking assassins. I mean, what the fuck? If everybody knew where these assholes were and how they operated, they would be fucking killed. So, it doesn't surprise me that today's episode is going to be a short one because all that is written in Jim Mar's book about the infamous assassins is maybe three fucking pages. So, well, without fucking further ado, asshole, let's do it. So, assassins. The assassins, a fanatical Islamic sect that developed a dictatorial pyramid command structure copied by all subsequent secret societies were so infamous that even today their very name is synonymous with terror and sudden death. The name reportedly was derived from the cannabis drug hashish which members smoked in preparation for killing. Sect killers who were taught that murder was a religious duty became known as hashashin Arabic for hashish smoker, which over time became simply assassin. This is the popular origin of the name. However, author Daral and others have suggested that it may well have stemmed from the Arabic word assassin, denoting guardians of the secrets. Assassin founder Hassan bin Sabah was a schoolmate of the Persian poet laureate Omar Khayyam and Nizam ul Mulk. Uh, bear with me on some of these names, dude. Uh, <laughs> I'm not exactly up to snuff on my Persian fucking names here, guy. Who later became the Grand Vizier to the Turkish Sultan of Persia. He had his own secrets to guard. He had gained esoteric knowledge from the former and royal privileges from the latter. After being caught in a money-pilfering scandal, Hassan was forced to flee Persia for Egypt, where he was further indoctrinated in ancient secrets, 
to include an intimate knowledge of the Hebrew Kabbalah. Now while in Egypt, Hassan may have laid his plans for the formation of his assassin sect while studying the organization and practices of the Dar ul Hikmat, which is the House of Knowledge or Grand Lodge of Cairo. This lodge was a repository for ancient knowledge and wisdom brought forward from the days of Adam, Noah, Abraham, and Moses. Now, according to author Webster, lodge members perfected the techniques used centuries later by Weishaupt to organize the Illuminati. Also stemming from this lodge was the cult of Roshanaya, or the Illuminated Ones which became such a terror to authorities in Afghanistan under the leadership of Bayezid Ansari in the 16th century. Tracing their ties to the Prophet Muhammad, the assassins were an outgrowth of the Islamic sects of Hakim, Fatima, the Batinis, and the Shias. It was about AD 872 that one Abdallah ibn Memun created the Batini sect which set the tone for the development of the assassins. A dedicated materialist, Abdullah, was schooled in Gnosticism and became determined to abolish all structured religion, including the Ishmaels, to which he belonged. I don't know if I said that shit right. It's like Ishmaelis? Ismailis? I don't know. Now, to achieve this end, Abdullah was forced to pose as a pious member of the Ismailis. The, the Ismails, I don't fucking know what to say. The, the Ismailis believed that they were descended from Ishmael, the son of the Hebrew patriarch Abraham and his surrogate wife Hagar, demonstrating again the intertwined histories of the Israelites and their Mideast neighbors. Webster quoted an earlier researcher, Reinhard Dozy, who described... Abdullah's program as one of dedicated to forming a vast secret society filled with both free thinkers and bigots for the purpose of discrediting and destroying religion. Now, after elaborate initiations, he would unfold the final mystery and reveal that imams, spiritual leaders, religious and morality, religions and morality were nothing but an imposture and an absurdity. He also sought to overthrow the reigning regimes and take power for himself first by subterfuge and then by force. Exhibiting disdain for the public, he won over the credulous with magic tricks passed off as miracles, the religious leaders by displays of, poet, of piety, and the mystics by lengthy dissertations on the ancient mysteries. Through such duplicity, a multitude of men of diverse beliefs were all working together for an object known only to a few of them. Now, after years of schisms within the Ismailis, the followers of Abdullah and others joined in secret societies of wisdom, which in 1004 became the Grand Lodge of Cairo, where members were turned into fanatics. It was here that the later Drusus sect held sway. The Drusus apparently continued Abdullah's duplicitous methods as they claimed to be both Muslims and Christians at the same time. What a bunch of bricks. They also used recognition signs, which can still be found in Grand Orient Freemasonry, as in all secret societies. While most members were simply fervent worshippers, the top leadership had other agendas. 
It was through this Druze-led Grand Lodge of Cairo that Hassan learned well the techniques he employed within his own society. Now, Hassan's killer cult came into existence at about 1094 when he and Persian allies took the mountain fortress of Alamut at the Caspian Sea in Iran. He created his own Shia Ismaili sect, which, which came to be known as the Assassins. While proclaiming himself as a great spiritual leader, Hassan forged a personality cult centered on himself, backed by lethal violence. According to Webster, the final object was domination by a few men consumed with the lust of power under the cloak of religion and piety, and the method by which this was to be established was the wholesale assassination of those who opposed them. Now, the higher initiates were taught the assassin's secret doctrines, one of which was that nothing is true and all is allowed. Another secret was that there is only one God, and everything in creation, including humankind, is part of a universal whole, a concept along the lines of Einstein's unified field theory, which continues to be seriously studied by modern scientists. Finally, the assassin dogma that the end justifies the means may well have been a precursor of the same philosophy which passed into illuminized Freemasonry. Now, Hassan's method of recruitment was so extraordinary as to be thought a myth. Now, according to several sources, including the writings of Marco Polo, who passed his way, Hassan found and developed a secret valley that he filled with gracious palaces and landscape gardens well-stocked with exotic animals and beautiful women. Local youths would find themselves befriended by strangers in drinking places. They would awake from a drug-induced stupor to find themselves surrounded by such beauty and luxury that it could only have been the promised paradise. After a few days of living beyond all expectation, the recruits were again drugged and woke up back in their dull reality. Now, after a few such experiences, Hassan had no trouble in enlisting their allegiance by promising to return them to paradise permanently in exchange for their deadly work. Entranced by the promise of eternal heaven, these brainwashed goat herders proved eager soldiers even to the point of sacrificing themselves when required. Calling himself the Grand Master, or Shaikh al-Habal, Hassan operated this early-day murder incorporated from his highland fortress gaining the title of the Old Man of the Mountain, a name that struck terror in the hearts of his neighbors. The power of the assassins increased until by the mid-12th century the cult boasted a string of strongholds stretching throughout Persia and Iraq. Their influence may have even reached to the secret societies of thugs of India, who were known to use recognition signs similar to the assassins. As Grand Master, Hassan created a system of apprentices, fellows of the craft, and masters, which has been compared with the later Masonic degrees. Masonic historian Mackey admitted the, the assassins, whose connection with the Templars has historically proved, may have had influence over that order in molding, or at least in suggesting, some of its esoteric dogmas and ceremonies. Author Dural quoted an Orientalist named Said Amir Ali as stating, From the Ismailis, the Crusaders borrowed the conception which led to the formation of all secret societies, religions, and seculars, and secular of Europe, 
the Knights Templar especially, with their system of grand masters, grand priors, and religious devotees, and their degrees of initiation bear the strongest analogy to the Eastern Ismailis. Several accounts have connected the Templars with the assassins in joint operations during the Crusades, including the attack on Damascus in 1129 led by King Baldwin of Jerusalem. One 18th century author lamented the fact that the Templars would ally themselves with that horrible and sanguinary prince named the Old Man of the Mountain, Prince of the Assassins. Those who think that the assassins were fanatical Muslims and therefore would not form any alliance with those who to them were infidels should be reminded that to the followers of the old man of the mountain only he was right. And the Saracens, who were fighting the holy war for Allah against the Crusaders, were as bad as anyone else who did not accept the assassin doctrine, commented Dural. Sometime prior to his attack on Damascus, Baldwin had entered into an agreement with the assassins who counted many members within the walls of the city. With the aid of his fifth column, the city would be taken. The assassins had been promised the city of Tyre for their assistance. The plot, however, was discovered, and all assassins in Damascus were rounded up and lynched by the inhabitants. Buoyed by the return from Europe of Grandmaster Paynes and his Templars, Baldwin decided to make an outright attack on the city, but was repulsed with heavy losses. This battle, along with the other later combined operations, could have provided the opportunity for the Templars and assassins to share esoteric knowledge as well as important military intelligence, since it is recorded that the assassins had deeply penetrated the Muslim hierarchy. The Templars entered at various times into amicable arrangements and treaty stipulations with the assassins confirmed Mackey. We may therefore readily believe that at those periods when war was not raging, there might have been a mutual interchange of court courtesies, of visits, and of conferences. The murderous nature of the assassins proved their downfall. Hassan, the old man of the mountain, was assassinated by his son, Muhammad, who in turn was poisoned by his son, who had learned of Mohammed's plan to kill him. By 1250, invading Mongol hordes had captured the last assassin stronghold, effectively eliminating the order. Although, according to some researchers, pockets of assassins still exist in the Middle East today. It must be noted that there were only slight differences between the average fighting man of both the Templars and the assassins. Both groups were filled with brutish, ignorant, and bloodthirsty men who merely did what they were told. Only their leaders knew that this, the underlying truths of their order. Brutish as the rank-and-file knights may have been, the Templar leadership was brilliant and rapidly built up one of the most powerful non-government organizations ever seen. Pines died in 1136 and was succeeded as Templar Grand Master by a Lord Robert, son-in-law of Archbishop of Canterbury. Another indication of the aristocratic nature of the Templar hierarchy. By the 13th century, the Templars owned about 9,000 castles and manors throughout Europe, yet as a religious order paid no taxes. Their investments included basic industries, particularly in building trades. They owned more than 5,000 properties in England and Wales alone. Their empire stretched from Denmark to Palestine. If their eventual aim was world hegemony, they could not have organized themselves better or plan their aristocratic hierarchy more thoroughly, commented Dural. They used the revenue from those holding to build a huge fleet of ships and underwrite a vast banking system. Now the concept of using money to produce more money was coming into focus.
You know, what the fuck does any of that shit have to do with motherfucking assassins? Money has everything to do with it. Money is a great motivator. Or knowledge, or the interchanging of, of ideas, which obviously we talked about the Templars, all the stuff that they learned, and all the stuff that they gained, all the knowledge that they acquired through their rapid expansion and growth, especially by whatever the fuck it is they found in the Temples of Solomon. And then interchanging and exchanging information with yeah, you know, an ancient Islamic se a sect of fucking assassins. I mean, who knows what those motherfuckers know? I mean, ever since the fall of Rome and this big disconnect between East and West, I mean, it's almost like a religious Cold War that's been going on for thousands of fucking years. And you'd be amazed at the stuff that the Islamic world does not get credit for here in the West. Or we just glance off as like a footnote in history when, I mean, they're fucking... Dude, they have huge, huge implications. They have so much... What goes on in the East and has gone on in the East affects all of us today and has done so for fucking ever. And anytime you have events shaping the direction of society and people are inevitably involved in the assistance of shaping those events, you're going to have resistance. Because shaping society is a fucking brutal job. It's cutthroat. Motherfuckers are going to die. Inevitably, you're going to gain some fucking resistance. And sometimes that resistance manifests in a form of fucking assassins. Alright, now look, this has been a short episode. This is the Zero Brain Podcast. This is your fucking host, Dave Grave. Follow me on Instagram, fucking YouTube, Facebook, fucking Twitter, all that shit, tough guy. Next week, we're going to get down into the get down with some fucking other Elder Secret Societies. Um, I'm not sure yet, but stay tuned. All right, you guys take it easy.